Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Hope and Anchor podcast. This is how we have been doing our Sunday morning scripture lessons, our sermons for the past four weeks. So this is week four of the quarantine edition. And uh, today we are continuing in our Easter mixtape series. But before we jump into that, uh, today is Palm Sunday, so I want to welcome you to that. This is the beginning of Holy Week. This is the day on which Christians traditionally celebrate Jesus' triumphant entry into Rome, into, uh, not Rome, how about Jerusalem? Uh, this is the day that uh, people were waving palm branches and laying their garments in the street, welcoming him into the city as if royalty, uh, because they believed he was the Messiah. But sadly, as we know how quickly human sentiment can turn, uh, later that week he was um, arrested, tortured, crucified, and buried. So today is Palm Sunday, so uh, our readings um, this morning, before we get started, uh, will reflect that it is... Uh, the beginning of Holy Week. So, uh, but first, I'd like to check in with you, see how you're doing. Um, I know everyone's uh, in this uh, uh, together. We're all kind of uh, experiencing it at the same time in real time, and um, all of us are feeling a lot of different things. Um, I will let you know that um, I've come. To, I've always known this, but I, I've come to realize that Sunday mornings were really one of my favorite times of the week because I get to see you. I, I really enjoy that part of my week where I get to just run around the room like a chicken with my head cut off saying hi to people and and uh, getting a little bit of a catch up on on um, what's going on in, in your lives and so I really miss seeing your faces I miss seeing you um, and so that's probably been the hardest thing uh, I think cumulatively over the past few weeks but anyway how can we encourage you um, you doing okay um, I, I think a lot of us do need some encouragement and um, I think it's important for us to gather in whatever means we have available on, on a t- times like this in a podcast to just join our hearts together and to reflect on how God is good even in difficult times. And so um, maybe it's good for us to take some time to reflect on the past few weeks. Where have we been? Where have our hearts been? Where has God been? Um, Has God been far away? Has He been close by? I was thinking about this yesterday. I think sometimes when we pray, especially when we're frustrated, we, we imagine that God is in front of us somewhere at varying distances and we have to convince him to pay attention we have to convince him to come close but in reality the picture we see in the bible is not that god is is out there or up there that we have to strain to communicate to in christ he's with us he's actually beside us and i wonder how many times when we pray do we actually think of god sitting beside us or walking beside us honestly i don't i i, I don't think I do that, and so that's kind of a paradigm shift in my prayer life to think that God is sitting with me, not up there like a judge or someone I have to convince of my case, but that He's with me and that He's going through what I'm going through um, beside me. So maybe that's helpful. Maybe that's a, a helpful shift for all of us. Um, last week we kicked off our care groups at Hope and Anchor. Uh, we really tried to identify everybody that's a part of our fellowship and organize them into groups. Um, through which they could be cared for a little bit better. Uh, there's uh, two people or two couples in charge of each group, and this past week they should have uh, reached out to you in one form or another. And uh, the idea is that even while we're separated physically, we would stay in touch relationally. And so if you've not been contacted by a care group leader, please let me know. I want to make sure that you're in a group and that you're being cared for as best we can during this uh, disconnected time. So care groups. Um, yeah, I think they're something we're really going to rely on during this um, quarantine shutdown phase. So, 
this morning, let's uh, pray, and let's pray for those who are anxious, those who are discouraged, those who are afraid, those who are hurting, and those who are grieving. Um, we feel a mix of emotions as we go through this time. Some of us are uh, really struggling with um, uh, what's going to happen next. Where's this all headed? Uh, some of us are struggling with uh, internal stuff, um, sin habits, things that seem to bubble to the surface whenever we're bored or, de or depressed or have too much time on our hands. Uh, some have lost loved ones, and um, this is a really difficult time to lose anybody because of the restrictions on gathering for things like funerals, and uh, so it really stunts that grieving process. So lots of stuff going on. We're still a church family, and all that, 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 that meaningful mix of of experiences and emotions is happening. We're just not with each other. So it's important that we pray together. So uh, let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness even in this difficult time, even in this time when it, um, uh, things are strained, things are um, extenuating, <laughs> things are not like they normally are. Um, we come to you confessing that we believe you're good and that you are with us. That we don't have to convince you to hear our prayers. You hear our prayers. You're with us in the midst of our situations. And that you're intimately aware of us and, and what we're going through. And that we can rely on you and trust in your goodness and your provision. So God, I lift up my friends to you. All those who are um, part of Hope and Anchor. All of those who are just um, in the, the circle of our lives. God, we lift all of these people up. Lord, all the strange mix of emotions that um, are represented by these people, the anxiousness, the discouragement, the fear, the hurting, the grieving, and even the joy and the happiness and the abundance that's strangely showing up in this time. God, we lift that all to you, and we want to we look to you as the, the author and the finisher of our faith, but also our creator and our sustainer, the sustainer of our very lives. God, we want to root ourselves in all aspects of our being in you, Pray for those who are suffering right now, those who are sad, and those who are um, unsure of what to do next. Many have lost jobs and, and aren't sure of income, where it's going to come from next. God, I pray that you'd be the God of all provision in this. I, I pray that you would show yourself powerfully through this situation. Lord, we lift our prayers to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is the sixth week of Lent. And uh, this is the sixth, oh, let's see, the what is this? The Well, this is Palm Sunday. This is uh, Palm Sunday in Lent. And once again, I've asked my wife, Christy, to come and do our Lenten reading for this morning. So thanks for coming today again. How are you feeling? Pretty good. Um, this has been um, kind of a, a good experience for us being home so much. And my wife's been, I think she talked a few weeks ago about gardening and things like that. So we've been getting the garden put in, but also uh, tell us a little bit about sourdough bread making. That's been kind of our uh, our key undertaking here. Um, well, I've just had a lot more time, uh, obviously, at home with in the evenings, particularly when we're normally running around to kids' activities. And so um, I've wanted to start a sourdough starter for years, which apparently I'm not alone in that. It seems like it's a, a collective yearning for so many people who've uh, been working and, and busy with kids uh, uh, because all of a sudden everywhere on social media everybody's making sourdough starters so it's pretty funny. Uh, the first couple days were absolutely disgusting. I wasn't sure it was going to be worth it. Uh, it smelled so bad um, but now it's it's wonderful. I love how it smells. It's kind of sweet and sour at the same time. A little bit of fermented 
smell and so it uh, my kitchen smells really good and so I've been learning to bake bread using sourdough starter and uh, I've actually got some actual sourdough loaves uh, rising right now and so we're going to have some sourdough bread later today which I'm super excited about but uh, so that's the thing I one thing I've really enjoyed about this is a lot of the projects and ideas that have been kind of on the back burner for years um, are, are I've got time um, Lottie and Teddy and I painted a fence this week and um, you know Chloe and I made a floor for the greenhouse so that it can uh, collect heat and um, be more of a year-round seed starter space for me and uh, it's just it's been fun being able to focus on those things that have just kind of been lurking at the edges of of my to-do list for years that's great I'm looking forward to um, eating some of that sourdough bread she made some sourdough banana bread, banana bread mm -hmm. that was unbelievable so yeah jealous much all right we got <laughs> sourdough uh, all right Christy go ahead okay um, merciful God, as we enter Holy Week and gather for worship, turn our hearts again to Jerusalem and to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stir up within us the gift of faith that we may not only praise Him with our lips, but may follow Him in the way of the cross. Zechariah 9, 9-14 and 16-17 and 17. <clears throat> Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your King is coming to you! He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle, and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Because of the covenant I made with you, sealed with blood, I will free your prisoners from death in a waterless dungeon. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Judah is my bow, and Israel is my arrow. Jerusalem is my sword, and like a warrior I will brandish it against the Greeks. The Lord will appear above his people. His arrows will fly like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the ram's horn and attack like a whirlwind from the southern desert. On that day the Lord their God will rescue his people, just as a shepherd rescues his sheep. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How wonderful and beautiful they'll be. The young men will thrive on abundant grain, and the young women will flourish on new wine. Uh, join me with the prayer of confession. O Lord, who on this day entered the rebellious city which later rejected you? We confess that our wills are as rebellious as Jerusalem's, that our faith is often more show than substance, that our hearts are in need of cleansing. Have mercy on us, Son of David, Savior of our lives, Help us to lay at your feet all that we have and all that we are, trusting you to forgive what is sinful, to heal what is broken, and to welcome our praises and to receive us as your own. Thanks. Okay, like I said, today we are continuing our Easter mixtape series. This is week number five, and today we are looking at Psalm 23. And um, like I did last week, I really went next level on the multimedia and uh, today I wanted to kind of stay in that same vein and really uh, go extra on the multimedia so we'll see if this works playing from Mark Twain nope that's not it <laughs> let's try this not Mark Twain how about some Dolly Parton the Lord is my shepherd the Lord is my shepherd 
Like the voice of an angel, I think we can all agree that that was way better than listening to me uh, read Psalm 23 at the beginning. Uh, however, um, I'm going to try to involve some other voices, some other guest readers as we go. So we've had my wife, we've had Dolly Parton, and soon we'll have some guy, I don't know his name. So uh, yeah, let's get started. Hey, as you know, during our series, we've kind of been talking about our approach to Easter um, by spending time. We've been spending our time in the Psalms, in the Psalms, and uh, how those point us toward Christ, how they point us toward what He accomplished for us. But last week, this week, and next week, we've been talking more specifically about the songs that were in Jesus's heart. So we've discussed all these weeks. We've been discussing how we, as human beings, are song-singing creatures. We are creatures who just naturally sing songs. We sing in good times, we sing in bad times, we sing on mountaintops, we sing in the valleys. It seems to be in our God-given nature to sing, to sing our deepest feelings of joy and of pain. How do I know this? Well, because I can look at my life. I look at my life, but I also can look at the lives of my friends, and I can look at the people that we find in the Bible. And really, guys, we can look at Jesus himself Jesus sang songs, especially at those most critical moments of his life. Somehow, part of what it means to be an image bearer involves remembering our experiences and telling our stories in our songs. When we feel things deeply, we sing. Maybe without music, but we do. We sing out. We sing out the song that is hidden in our hearts, good or bad. We sing the song that's hidden in our heart. Now, these can be songs of love, of anger, of joy, of grief, of longing, of triumph, defeat, pain. Sometimes we sing in flowery language, and sometimes, honestly, we sing in foul language. Our songs, they reveal much about what we believe, about what we believe, believe about ourselves, we believe what we believe about the world, what we believe about the situ situation we find ourselves in. 
and ultimately what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves, our world, our situation, and our God determines a lot about our attitude. It determines a lot about our ability to persevere through difficult times of rejection, pain, and loss. So let's think about ourselves for a moment. What kind of song do you sing to yourself when things get tough? I mean, when things get really hard, what kind of song most naturally bubbles up inside your heart? What kind of song do you sing to yourself when things get tough? Are you the first to, to beat yourself down? Are you the first to pile on self-accusation? Or are you the first to pick yourself up? Are you the first to come along to help yourself get moving again? How easily do you motivate yourself to persevere, to carry on? How likely are you to remind yourself to hang in there, to hang on in those tough times? In your inner dialogue, Ultimately, are you a discourager or are you an encourager? Really, are you a, a friend to yourself in your self-talk or are you kind of an enemy? Are you a discourager or an encourager? The vocabulary of your self-talk, this song that you sing to yourself during struggle, it often reveals where you place your trust, where it is that you, uh, from which you draw your strength and draw your hope. If we center ourselves, if we center our trust and our hope in ourselves, well, we're pretty familiar with what we have to work with. I'm pretty familiar with what I have to work with if I look to myself as my only resource in a tough situation. Because when we look to ourselves, our ability is limited. It's limited to what we have and what we can do. However, if we center our trust and our hope in God, we then open ourselves. We open ourselves up to these vast, infinite possibilities. Our ability to hold fast in hardship becomes unlimited because we're rooting our trust and our hope in God before we're rooting it in ourselves, instead of rooting it in ourselves. When we center our trust, where we center our trust, I'm sorry, where we center our trust determines much about how we come out of those hard times. Let me say that again. Where we center our trust determines much about how we come out of those hard times, whether we emerge discouraged or encouraged, whether we come out beat down or built up, whether we get through those hard times defeated or triumphant, weakened or strengthened. So during this Lenten season, as we approach Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, We've once again been considering the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. No surprise there. I think most churches on the planet every year do that. We talk about Jesus, His life, His death, and His resurrection as we approach Easter. And it's right and it's good. We've been hearing the songs that Jesus sang during the Passion Week, the week between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Last week we discovered that Jesus was singing Psalm 22 as he hung upon the cross. Beginning with those opening words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus continues to sing, and when he reaches the end of Psalm 22, he ends with a triumphant, He has done it. It is finished. And this was kind of a, uh, a mind-blowing realization for me. 
what I'd always considered a cry of desperation by Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was actually the beginning of a song, a song all about God's faithfulness and about hope eternal, a song that ends for God's glory, for our good. It is finished. Praise the Lord. So the songs hidden in Jesus' heart, those songs, the Psalms, they were in heavy rotation as he suffered. If you have your Bible, you can turn to uh, Luke's Gospel. Turn to Luke chapter 23. Let's visit that scene when Jesus is actually hanging on the cross. Luke 23, verses 44 through 46. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with these wor those words, he breathed his last. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Now, if you'll flip over to Psalm 31... In Psalm 31, we hear that song, Into your hands, I entrust my spirit, echoed. Jesus' song is echoed in this psalm. Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5. O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap my enemies set for me. For I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. You see, stuff like this is just really amazing to me. Here Jesus in the most, what would seem to be the most uncontrolled situation imaginable. There's a sense of control and peace in his heart where he's, he's, he's digging in and pulling out these songs that he's hidden in his heart, singing them to God. Into your hands I entrust my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He's singing Psalm 31. Jesus is singing a song in the very moment where he is preparing to meet his death. <laughs> And this song that's hidden in his heart, Psalm 31, it is guiding him. It is serving as a guide, guiding him into the hardest, most gut-wrenching moment of his entire life and ministry while on earth. Jesus takes on mankind's sin. He feels separation from his Father for the first time ever. And he is experiencing the agony and the fear of knowing that he is dying. He's dying. And through it all, he never sings of defeat and despair. He only sings of hope and trust and deliverance. Into your hands I entrust my spirit. I trust in you to redeem me and to deliver me. Deliver me from death, faithful God. Into your hands I entrust my spirit. I trust in you to redeem me and to deliver me from death. Why? Because you are a faithful God. So as we've talked about, Psalm 22, 23, and 24. These three psalms together have long been considered and, and heard as an ancient messianic liturgy. They were historically, they have been historically sung together. All part of the same setting, all in the same time of worship. 
And if you look at it now, this side of the cross and resurrection, in a real way, Psalm 22, 23, and 24, they mark uh, the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of the Passion Week, of Holy Week, of Christ's Passion, His crucifixion, Psalm 22, His death, Psalm 23, and the resurrection, Psalm 24. Last week, we heard Jesus sing Psalm 22 as He hung upon the cross. This week, at the point of death, He is committing His spirit into God's hands. Jesus is crossing, literally and figuratively, into the valley of death. So today, let's imagine, why is Psalm 23 sung at this moment in the Messianic liturgy, in this trilogy about Messiah? Well, let's imagine that he is singing the words of Psalm 23. Let's engage our imaginations so that we can see Jesus singing in his heart Psalm 23 as an intimate, hopeful song about waiting on the Lord, about trusting in God because he is faithful. So here's where I want to kind of bring in some more technology here. Uh, this is Psalm 23, and this is um, on uh, my Bible app. And this guy, I don't know his name, but he read the Bible to me for two years in a row. So me and him, we're pretty tight. But anyway, here's Psalm 23. Lord, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. You know, some churches are using video, but the earth is nope, the nope, not that Everything. guy. Nope. All right, some churches using video, not us. We're using Alexa and uh, a cell phone, and it's working great, as you can tell. <laughs> so, um, the Lord is my shepherd; I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name, even when I walk through the darkest valley. I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup, it overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What happens when you imagine that this song was playing in Jesus' heart and in Jesus' mind as he was dying upon the cross? If this is indeed part of a messianic story that is being told, a, a liturgy of sorts during Passion Week, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Jesus' crucifixion, death, and then resurrection. You see, I've always read the, th the 23rd Psalm as a pastoral hymn about our trust in God. And, and hear me, absolutely. It can and it should be. There's a good reason it's been a source of comfort, peace, and solace for the faithful for millennia. That's fine. It is about our trust in God. But ultimately, Psalm 23 is a beautiful picture of the perfect kind of, of trust and dependence upon God. The perfection of that trust and dependence upon God. That laying your whole life into God's protection and provision. Psalm 23 gives us a glimpse 
of final fulfillment, the final fulfillment demonstrated by Christ in the relationship of God the Father and God the Son. This is the song sung to the Good Shepherd, which is God the Father, by the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, which is God the Son, Jesus. The sufferer we read about in, in Psalm 22, the sufferer has been crucified and now has died. But we find the Lamb of Psalm 23, though slain, though it's been slain, finds still waters and finds rest in green pastures with his soul being restored by the shepherd. We read this in verses 1 through the first part of verse 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. God, the good shepherd, who provided for the lamb in life, now proves himself faithful to the lamb in death. He has guided the Lamb, Jesus, in the path of righteousness for the cause of redemption, for the sake of God's glory. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. He renews my strength. He brings me along righteous paths, bringing honor to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. God, the Good Shepherd has prepared a victory table for his lamb right there in the presence of his enemies. And what the enemy had intended for evil, God has turned into good. Let's look at verse 5. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. What the enemy intended for evil, God turned into good, though wounded for the salvation of many. The good shepherd now anoints the lamb for his healing and his consecration as king of the universe. The cup of wrath, which God poured out on Jesus when he was on the cross, has now become an overflowing cup of mercy. The wine of rejoicing. Look at verse 5 again. You prepare, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Jesus' hope in his Father is steadfast, both in his life and in his death. Jesus demonstrates an unshakable trust. An unshakable trust in God's goodness and in his limitless love. We should notice, we should notice that throughout the suffering, Jesus never prayed for escape. He never prayed for escape. He never sang out in words of despair. Instead, he sings of God's abiding presence. I will not be shaken from my trust in God's abiding presence. He sings of God's goodness and his love and of his, his desire, his own desire to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 6, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you consider yourself to be someone who is... Uh, trusted in Jesus and you're following after him. Here's something I can assume. We desire to be like Jesus. We desire to be like Jesus. Christ-likeness ultimately is the point of our pilgrimage. We want to grow to become more like Jesus. But here's the thing. What if the pursuit of Christ-likeness means more than just living like Jesus? 
What if it also means we become like Jesus in his suffering and even in his death? Whoa, this just got serious, right? But seriously, what if it means more than just living like Jesus? What if it means suffering and even dying like Jesus? You know, perhaps Paul had this in mind when he expresses his desire to be like Christ. He says, I want to be like Christ. I want to know Him in the power that raised Him from the dead. If you can turn to Philippians, turn to Philippians chapter 3 real quick. Philippians 3. Look at uh, Philippians 3 verses 7 through 14. And hear Paul's words. Philippians 3, 7 through 14. I once, I once thought these things were valuable, these things being adherence to the law, basically measuring up to the, the law. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So, to learn from Jesus means we do what Jesus did. It means we hide the Word in our hearts, just like He did. It means we rehearse songs of hope. We identify. We cling to our faith in God. We hold fast to our Good Shepherd through our life, through our death, hopeful of our resurrection in Christ. So, can you trust God? Can you trust God? Can you trust that He is still leading you? Can you trust that He is still shepherding you, even in times of suffering, of grief, of sorrow, and loss? Even right now in the middle of this just like world turned upside down, coronavirus lockdown situation, can you trust that God is still leading you, shepherding you, even now? Can you believe that He will lead you, even in death, will lead you beside still waters of rest? will lead you beside into green pastures of soul refreshing. Will you follow where He leads you? Will you follow your Good Shepherd on these paths of righteousness for His name's sake? Even in the midst of struggle, of darkness, of lonely times, will you sing out? Will you sing believing that God can reach you and lead you and deliver you and ultimately redeem you? Will you sing, believing that God stands ready to anoint your head with oil? To anoint your head with the oil of healing and of honor. Will you sing with Christ? Will you sing, trusting that God can fill your cup? He will fill your cup with love and with goodness. 
Will you hear and receive his invitation to live with him through faith in Christ in the house of the Lord forever? God is inviting us to dwell with him. Our heart's desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And get this, this is God's hope for you too. God himself desires that you would dwell with him both now and forever, in this life and on through eternity. One last verse I'd like to look at. Look at the Gospel of John. Listen, hear Jesus' words. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Jesus talking to his disciples as he's ready to enter into his Passion Week, before he's arrested. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and, I, and I'll get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And if, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know Him, and you have seen Him. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, and where I'm going, I want you to be with me forever. Jesus is saying that to His disciples and to all those who would believe. He's saying that to you and me. God's desire is to dwell with us forever. You see, the Scriptures... They call Jesus the firstborn, the firstborn from among the dead, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters who will join him, where? In resurrection life. When Paul says, hey, Jesus was the, first run, the forerunner, the firstborn, he's the firstborn among many who will join him in this resurrected life through faith. Our risen Savior is leading the way for us leading the way for us to find healing, to find life, and to enter into our true home with our Creator God. And it begins with the good news that Jesus, the Lamb of God, has atoned for our sins. He's paid the price for our sins, and He has made a way for us to be reconciled to God, our Good Shepherd. In Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection, He has delivered and redeemed all those who will believe in Him all those who will follow after him. So the question comes down to this. Why wait? Why wait any longer? Don't delay. The invitation has been given. The way has been made. The door stands open. So repent. The kingdom of heaven is near to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for that invitation. Thank you for what Jesus has accomplished. Thank you for his heart being so at rest in you. Even in the most difficult and dark moments of his life, he was able to cling to you and to sing out a hope of a song of hope and of trust, proclaiming your goodness and righteousness, your faithfulness. God, I pray that that song would echo in our hearts, resonate in our hearts, that we would be like Jesus in our life, but also in our death, that we would hold fast to you. God, difficult times come. Discouragement comes. And sometimes I have to confess, I'm, I'm the first to pile on the accusations and the discouragement. But God, you've called me to, to more than that. You've called me to uh, be more and more like Jesus in, on this pilgrimage path. And so, while we've got this... Uh, <laughs> This un, uh, the, 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 we're in this time of, uh, of struggle. 
we're in lockdown and, and things aren't going as we'd hope. We can't go out and do what we want to do. God, there's ample opportunity for us to practice, to speak to ourselves uh, and train our hearts on you and to sing a different kind of song. God, I pray that uh, you would work these psalms deeply into our hearts so that when we are in difficulty, when we are in pain, and even as we approach our own deaths, that the songs that would come to the surface, that would come out of our mouths, would be those songs that sound a lot like the songs Jesus himself would sing. Lord, be with us. I know it's simplistic to say that, oh, we just got to decide to sing happy songs. It's not that. I pray that you would do a, a deep work inside of each of us that you would convince us of your faithfulness and of your goodness, that even when things are swirling out of control and they don't make sense and everything seems lost, that we would uh, have our feet and our hearts firmly planted in you, trusting that you will lead us to, 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 you, you will lead us to rest in green meadows and you will lead us beside peaceful streams and you will renew our strength. God, we lean heavily into you. God, as you, as you walk beside us, as you sit with us, Lord, I pray for my friends who are listening this morning. I pray that you would meet them right where they are. God, this has been a tough experience for all of us. And we're all coping with it in different ways, some good, some bad. But God, I pray that um, in, a, in, a, in a spirit of honesty, that you would just sit with us and call us to a place of transparency, humility, of confession, and even repentance. God, we want to grow through this. In these hard times, we want to count it joy that difficulty has come so that we can grow in our, our maturity and in our Christ-likeness. So God, be with us. And Lord, we lift our prayers up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining us today. I, I hope that that uh, walk through Psalm 23 was uh, a blessing to you as it's been to me. But um, I want to encourage you uh, to, to really stay in touch um, as we go forward through the, the coming weeks. I've been really motivated in the past couple weeks to just every day be reaching out to people. But I got to say this past week, I was kind of out of gas, man. I was just tired and I was emotionally just empty. I just did, I, I found myself not reaching out as much. And I don't know if that's because we got the care groups put in place and I didn't feel like I had to um, be so diligent about contacting everybody, trying to hold things together myself. But man, I just really am wiped out. Things have been super busy with work. Um, I'm having to call all the time and talk on the phone, which if you know me, some of you may know, I really don't like talking on the phone. I would rather, I would rather eat hair than talk on the phone. But I've got to call over a hundred pastors in the state just to check in, see how they're doing. And that's just, uh, I don't know, it takes a little bit of a toll. And uh, so a little, little tired this week. Um, so I'm praying for God's refreshing this week, that He would restore my soul this week. And I pray that same thing for you too. Would you um, help our fellowship, help your circle of friends, and be proactive in reaching out and offering to pray with each other and care for each other? All right, well, let's close by praying as the Lord taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Ephesians Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now all glory to God who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.